And so they're more investing in me. You know, and I know the, that. The, at, oh, yeah. Now, because yeah. I'm fucking 10 years in the game. Yeah. I, I see it all the time in the beginning. People partner up with people they should never partner with. Just because they need that money. Yeah, because they need the money. Mm-hmm. Just start small. Start small. Our first event, we had 2,000. We made, I think we made 2,300 on that event. Yeah. So I rolled into the next event with 4,300. I made 8,800 on that event. I had 13,1, I believe, when I started my first MMA show. At my first MMA show, I think I made like 1,700 on that. And that put my total up to like 15. And then I had a huge tournament. I made 22. Then I was sitting at like 40,000. And that's when I got fired from 24 Hour Fitness. And then I sued them and I got like uh, 18 months of salary. And so I was fucking. Gold. Yeah. You know? Good to go. All right. This is the Ask the BCE Show episode 40. I almost said it was like 38. Episode 40. I'm your host, Kurt Belding, and I am the blue collar entrepreneur. I have a guest today. Mr. Seth Daniels. Seth Daniels, he, uh, Seth owns Fight to Win, and we go way back. Way back. We, like, 15 years? Yeah, just about. About 15 years. And uh, we, we knew each other when we were both abs- just nothing, coming, starting from nothing, pretty much, you know? Yeah. So um, let's get to know Seth. Um, tell, us, well, tell us real quick what you're doing now of, with, like, Fight to Win and all that stuff. I run the largest um, professional jiu-jitsu league in the world. So essentially what we do is every weekend we travel, you know, from Philly, Dallas, New York, um, L.A., San Francisco, all over the country doing these uh, professional jiu-jitsu events, which is essentially um, kind of a mixture between what you would expect at an MMA show, but mixed with a rock concert. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, so it's (laughs) it's kind of like, it's it's like I always say, it's kind of like the the culmination of everything I've ever done in my life, right? So it's like there's like a huge production piece that I learned from the concert world and then the way of running the MMA business that um, I did for, you know, 10 years when I was promoting fights. And then, you know, the, the my true passion of what I love is grappling, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I just put the three things together um, that I liked and then, you know, been doing – I've been in you know business person since I was nine years old, so – you know, it's it, it's it's a tough business just because it, we're required to do so much because our schedule is so busy. We're putting on about 40 events a year, and so there's very little downtime. It's a lot. Man. It's a lot. It's a Jeez. lot because it's all over the world, so or yeah. all, all over the United States, including Hawaii. So it's just a lot of work. You have to stay on top of it, like, all the time. You know, it's a little exhausting. But, um, yeah, I mean, I love what I do. And, you know, every weekend we pull about 1,000, 1,400 attendees. You know, per show and paying out athletes, you know, anywhere in the range of thirty to forty thousand dollars a week. You know, yeah. so it's like it really revolutionized the sport of jujitsu. What we do, and now we have, you know, like I'm sure you have with your businesses, you know, Kmart copycats trying to do what we do all over. So mm-hmm. it's it's actually like I hate them all, and I hope they all go out of business and burn. <laughs> but um, you know, it helps me keep on my toes and make sure that I'm always outworking everyone and that I'm always the best. But you know? if someone's copycatting you, there has to be some pride there to say, yeah, I'm the best. You guys are trying to be like me. No, nah, I want them all just to burn. You just want to do yeah, them all the time, right? <laughs> no, I mean, like, my thing is, my thing is, like, if you're going to do anything, like, if it's not original, then don't even fucking do it. 
Right. Like you're going to, you're going to copy someone else's business, which I'm sure you get a lot in the supplement world. Like, yeah. Do, do something different with it. You did it different with, with fit Republic, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why you've grown so much. The people that, the people that copy someone else and try to create the, that don't do anything new, they're, they're always going to fail because mm-hmm. it wasn't their idea in the first fucking place. Right. And it won't be as good as the original. Anyway. It never will be. The original is always the best, especially when the, the original continues to grow, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, but I do think that's one of the things that fucks people is like when they get, um, you know, they get satisfied with where they're at and they don't continue to try to improve all the time and think like, Oh, we're so good. Like we don't have to do shit. Like you always have to improve. My goal with my events is every time I go back, no matter where I'm at, if I go back to Philly, I go to Philly three times a year. It's cause it's my favorite place. And, um, which is kind of a funny story, but I go to Philly three times a year, and every time I go back, the show's got to be better than it was the time before, every mm. single time. If you're not growing, you're dying. No. There's and, no staying the same. No, you can't. Mm-mm. You can't. But that's what I do now. Travel travel the United States, putting on uh, professional jiu-jitsu events and exposing the world to uh, to a sport that may, they may not have seen in the light and, and creating a spotlight for these athletes that never had one before. Yeah. yeah. And it seems like the sport's getting a lot bigger and more main stage because – MMA obviously is huge. You know, we see that everywhere, boxing, um, but grappling. I didn't really know much about it until I met you, and right. I went to that, your first, um, I don't know if that was your first. Yeah, the first was, one that was my first event. Yeah. So Kurt was my first ever sponsor ever yeah. for Fight to Win. Bought a $200 table. $200 vendor <laughs> all I table. Afford. I put, uh, <laughs> and, and your business at the time was called the Nutrition Stop. It was Nutrition Zone. Nutrition Zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't even, uh-huh. It wasn't even important enough for me no, to remember. it's not. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, at the time, that event cost me – I had $2,000 total to put that event on. And so, I mean, your $200 was 10% of my nut to, to hit at that event. So, I mean, like, it's funny to think back at it and be like, oh, that's all I had. It's like, that was a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember I had a – I picked up a clothing sponsor. You probably remember that, 5280 Fighter. I remember that. They right. were there. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I picked him up, and I remember he gave me like four hundred dollars for one of my. T- and I remember being like, "Oh, this is such a big deal!" And he's like, "It's not that big of a deal. Like it's four hundred bucks." So like, you don't understand, like if when you're first starting and someone's willing to, you know, believe in you and give you something like that, like it, it goes a long way. That's why I never never forgot, you know. Yeah. And um, our first tournament we ever had, we only had eighty eight people, and I think about half of them were free. Um, our tournaments now average about fifteen hundred people um you know and like i said our crowds are around 1200 per weekend you know but i mean in the beginning it was really hard you know the hardest part i think of any business in the beginning is getting people to believe in what you're doing getting them to see the vision the vision that you have because everybody wants a proven concept yeah well, show me the numbers show me the money that's being yeah made. show me the numbers yeah. show me the money how many people are going to be there and you're like i don't fucking know it's my first event. First, like, first, first, i don't yeah. even know what the fuck i'm doing <laughs> like, i'm begging people to just come yeah you know i don't know what's going to happen you know and i i wouldn't say i'm lucky at all like people say that all the time i worked fucking hard mm-hmm. you know i worked i worked i was running i started fight to win when i was the general manager at 24 hour fitness yeah i and, watched you work hard man yeah i mean yeah, they, I they, they demoted me they, they demoted me from a district manager to a general manager and that was um when we restructured a 24-hour fitness and so i was just like well fuck these guys i'm gonna collect a salary from these motherfuckers I remember and that then build my own business yeah until they until they figure it out and kick me out that's exactly what happened and then i fucking sued their asses for wrongful termination and then when that money i got from wrongful termination lawsuit is what funded fight to win so thank you 24-hour fitness yeah, for fucking funding fight shit. to win yeah no man like they do they, that company man they they just they treated us like shit for so long 
and like it, it, everything like there's no one that works there now that worked there when I was there. Mm-hmm. Everyone's gone. A lot of people have branched off and done their own gyms. Yeah, done that. But but a lot of people have been wildly successful that came out of there. Mm-hmm. You know, own their own businesses, run oh, their yeah. own shit. Very successful in real estate because they they learned how to work hard. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, you know, I had that kid Mike that used to work for me. He wanted to be in the fucking president of Twenty Four Fitness. No shit. Yeah, he was the president of Twenty Four Fitness. Right. Yeah. And now I think he's I think he's doing some real estate stuff and he's I'm sure he's crushing it. Yeah. But it's like it's funny when you work for a business like that where it's like we did get trained and developed pretty well. That's one thing I can say about that place. Yeah. But they worked us to the grind. And so it's like you're mm-hmm. putting in 80, 90 hours a week in order to maybe hit your goal. To yeah. Maybe take home because if you if you don't hit, you're making two thousand bucks. That's it. That's all we were making. But if you hit, you can make 20. So it was like you kill yourself to fucking hit and then you get out of the business and it's like, okay, no one's telling me what to do now, but I still have that same work ethic. Mm-hmm. It's still ingrained in you. Mm-hmm. And so you put it into your own business and then you can find the success or you find failure. Right. You know what I mean? Either way, but at least, you know, work gets done. Yeah. I, I just want to highlight what you said about um, where you started. The first comp, first comp that you held, right? Like yeah. you're just begging people to show up yeah. and now how many, like, 12 years, 15 years later. No, it's only, it's actually, it's been 11 years 11 since it started. Yeah, 11, 11 years, years since later. it started. And yeah, the, the events have grown, just the local tournaments have grown to about seven times the size. Uh, yeah. No, I'm sorry, not seven, 15 times the size of what they were back then. And and it, they've gone down a little bit because the market's become really oversaturated with um, other people. And I, I don't put as much into those tournaments anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm more into the giving people money at my events than taking it away from them. But I do provide a good product and I only do them in Colorado now just because like I want my friends and teammates to have a good place to compete at. But yeah, other sure. than that, it's just the pro of it. That's all I do. For sure. But I mean, I think that's one of the things in the beginning too, no matter what business that you're starting is I don't think you should ever take money from anyone, especially in the beginning. Like never take, a lot of shit, never free, take yeah. invest your money. Never. Yeah. Cause then, especially if you have a vision, like, cause they're just going to fuck with your vision. Like well, they, I'm looking at, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking at possibly doing some VC shit now, but it's like, my vision is set. And anybody that, like, invests in me now, they know, like, no matter what they say, I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. You know? And so they're more investing in me, you know? And at, I know at, that. At, going at, oh, yeah. Now, because yeah. I'm fucking 10 years in the game. Yeah. I, I see it all the time in the beginning. People partner up with people they should never partner with. Just because they need that money. Yeah, because they need the money. Mm-hmm. Just start small. Start small. Our first event, we had 2000 We made, I think we made 2300 on that event. Yeah, so I rolled into the next event with 4300 I made 8800 on that event. I had 13-1, I believe, when I started my first MMA show. At my first MMA show, I think I made like 1700 on that, and that put my total up to like fifteen. and then I had a huge tournament, and I made twenty two. Then I was sitting at like 40000 and that's when I got fired from yeah. 24 Hour Fitness. And then I sued them, and I got like uh, eight, 18 months of salary, and so I was fucking gold yeah you know and then i started i started investing in my own company so i started instead of renting stuff i just started buying stuff Mm -hmm. and that has been the trend of what i've done forever and that's one of the reasons i've been so successful financially is because i i don't rent anything ever like if i don't have to like tables and chairs that's it because it's like especially like if you're in a production business like renting will kill you Mm mm-hmm 
You know, yeah, you're always. Uh, or, or I mean, even money. if you're in a business like this, how much money would you be saving if you own this building? Own building, yeah. If you own this, if you own this place versus renting it, you're going to get, you know, your lease ends up, and then they're going to juice your rate up, and you get mm-hmm. nothing out of that lease. Yeah. And then you, you have know? an asset. Yeah, you have an yeah. asset. And so, yeah. like our whole business, like oh, it's not like I'm sitting on, you know, I'm not taking baths like in Ducktales. You know, <laughs> what, what was his name? Was it Scrooge Mc? No, it wasn't Scrooge McDuck. What was his name? The, Remember in DuckTales? Yeah. I mean, that's a dream of mine, yeah. you know? But I'm also like afraid like there might be some fake gold in there, so I have like green all over my body afterwards. <laughs> no. no, I'm just saying, like, we're not definitely not like swimming in money, but we've constantly invested and we've constantly grown our business and continually to build our assets. And that's being a smart entrepreneur, because if you're not, you're not gonna grow and you're gonna die. But yeah, but you gotta do it one piece at a time. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people screw up. And they're like, Go oh, I want to be, I want to be here. Right? Do you see Transformers three? Yeah. Okay. There's a scene with John Malkovich where he's talking to uh, Sam Witwicky, and he tells him, I, I, I watch, I'm like a movie addict, so like I'm yeah. gonna reference movies. That's, That's cool. kind of my thing. He tells him he's like, this isn't. You're upset because this isn't the job you want, but this is the job you need to get the job you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like. That. And that's kind of how I see every step of my business you know i just ran the biggest grappling event in history of the world right and um if if i would have tried to do that four years ago i would have failed miserably like everything happens for a reason and Mm -hmm. it happens when you're ready to make it happen you can't force you can't force business you can't you can't because you're gonna fail because Mm -hmm. you're not ready for it yeah and failure is equal your success I failed so many fucking times. Yeah. I have so many businesses that I've created that have gone out of business. I had an MMA company. I had a food delivery company. I had a concert business. I had a tattoo shop. Um, I've invested in so many different things. I, I went bankrupt investing in real estate, you know, because I, you see a movie, big short mm-hmm. right here, that was it, huh? six houses. Oh shit. And it, it, it was easy. You know, you buy the house, yeah. you know, at, at Small the, down payment. on the arm for yeah. no, nothing down. You wait six months, you take the money out of that. Then you buy your next house. And I did that for like three years and I had like six houses. And then, you know, they were always like, Oh, you'll, the, you, the, you'll be able to refinance once the, uh, before the adjustable rate kicks in. And then I didn't do that. And because I couldn't, because the value of the houses all went down. So there was no money to pull out of the houses. And so, I mean, like, just like everybody else in America, you know, a million people in America went bankrupt on their homes. I went bankrupt on six. So, you know, I had to wind up starting at zero again. And that was in, that was after I'd already like been successful with fight to win. I had to file bankruptcy. I started again in like 2010 at zero. So, but I had an existing business. So I like literally like grind off my business, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then when we made the transition from the concert world to the MMA or to the jujitsu world completely, we fucking went all in um, just because I I knew it would work after the first four shows. I knew it was going to be successful. And I had $327 in my bank account before fight to win six. Cause I had, there was just some stuff I was renting and I was like, this is fucking crazy. I'm spending $12,000 a week on these rentals. I was like, how much is it going to cost to buy this stuff? And they were like, it's going to cost $100,000. I was like, fuck it. Yeah, and it was everything though. I had. Yeah. I just went all in, bought everything. And then, like, you know, we hit. And then it's like, you know, you start seeing it. It's like, all right, well, in three months, I made back all the money, you know? And now we're at a point where there's literally nothing that's not owned, you know, which is yeah. huge plus. Yeah, and you're at a point where you just got done with the, the biggest event in history, history. Yeah. which was at least 4,000 spectators and how many? It was 8,000 total. 8,000 Yeah, 4,000 yeah. 4, each day. And our sport's a niche sport, so it's mm-hmm. not like MMA. Yeah. Um, you know, th- the reason that jiu-jitsu and grappling is growing so much, in my opinion, 
um, is because MMA has become so watered down, right? So it's like everybody fights the same. Like there's a few people out there that are different. Like this uh, Israel Asanya kid that just won the title, right? Like he's a showman and he's exciting and yeah. he's from some fucking Sells weird tickets. country. Yeah. I don't even know where he's from. He's from Africa or somewhere. Yeah. Or I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't... I, I like him a lot, but I haven't, I haven't researched too much on him. But those, there's diamonds in the rough in MMA, but for the most part, everybody, it's the same thing. Punch, punch, take down, lay on top of them, hit them. And if you're a fan watching that, especially if you go to like a local show or you go to the UFC, you're 40 years old. You're mm-hmm. not going to go in there and be like, I could do that. There's Hell no, no way. I'm not going to go. No, no way. <laughs> no There's way. no way. Maybe if you're 19 and yeah. you just got wrestled D1, you got out. Right, if you I grew up it. wrestling. And, yeah, yeah, you would look at it. Jiu-jitsu, people come to my events. I have a 70-year-old guy up there fighting on the stage. I have a 9-year-old kid. They think, I could do that. I could yeah. get that spotlight. This is cool. And it, it's I'm less not gonna, impact. And I'm not going to get too, hit right? in the fucking face. Yeah. You know, when people are like, oh, I love getting punched in the face. No, you fucking don't. <laughs> that shit stings. Yeah, it yeah. hurts. I don't care what anybody says. It fucks your brain up, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons jiu-jitsu and grappling has got so popular because it's you can be lazy. You can fucking smoke a ton of weed and just go out there and, and practice. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. Take everything at your own pace. And uh, it's a pretty gentle sport, even though, I mean, you're like trying to break each other's limbs <laughs> on your body compared to, you know, boxing, kickboxing, wrestling, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, I mean, I feel like it's definitely the easy way out if you're going to pick a martial art. But, I mean, it also makes you a lethal motherfucker. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, there's, I usually walk in a room knowing that I could, like, beat up everyone in the room let's not try okay no i'm just saying <laughs> but it's a comforting feeling to know that like if you're in a bad situation you can defend yourself yeah for sure you know i mean i'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu but i mean even a purple belt if if there was a fight or even a blue belt man if there was a fight in a bar in like denver and somehow you got involved in it you could probably submit the two guys fighting mm-hmm. like it shouldn't be that hard and you never hear stories about like jiu-jitsu guys starting the fight right you know what i yeah, mean yeah, that's yeah. like it, it's because it teaches you a lot about like I mean, I'm not saying like respect and honor. I'm sure it does all that for me. It just taught me how to fucking choke people. But <laughs> for a lot of people, it teaches you. It, it requires an extremely amount, a large amount of discipline in order to progress mm-hmm. and work ethic and drive. And it's because it gets depressing a lot of times where you're just like, God, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not getting it. It just takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things where people message you like, what's it? How do I get better faster? And it's like, just fucking show up to practice. Just gotta keep fucking working. You gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Just, just go to practice. Going. You know yeah. what I mean? And so I, I think it's one of the, anybody can do jujitsu and, and from, you know, four years old to, we have a guy at our gym that's, I think he's 82 and he trains like every single awesome. day. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, he was a former like power lifter and he's a strong motherfucker, but he's old as shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And most 82 year olds don't have fucking six packs. No, I guarantee that. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I guarantee that. He's definitely, killing, or boxing it. He's or, definitely yeah. killing it at the nursing home. They're pulling some ass at the nursing home. Silver silver sneakers. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. But, um, um, no, but I mean, it's just one of those sports. I think people gravitate to it because everybody can do it. Yeah. It is open up to a lot of demographics, a lot of ages and stuff like that. So, and that's one thing, you know, and I've been, obviously I watch, man, I Mm -hmm. see what you've been doing because we, we met a long time ago, man. I always had some, a lot of respect for you from day one or first conversation. You're like, we came over to my shop and you're like, Hey, 24 hour fitness wants me to put you out of business, but I like you. So here, I'm going to help you out. Yeah. They wanted me to crush you. Yeah. wanted me. Yeah. You crush me. You're like, here, go fly in my parking lot. Yeah. Yeah, Which is a ton of respect. And I've been watching you. 
And one thing, the biggest thing I respect is your work ethic, man. You're a goddamn workhorse, like just grinding for years. And I, and I, and I'm the similar way, man. I just fucking work like 15 hours a day, every day. That's yeah. just what I do. I love it. Which I'm a little tweaked, but yeah. You probably the same problem. From, well, I mean, I think how'd a you lot, grow up? Well, I think a lot of it honestly comes from work addiction, which is like a disease that yeah, we both probably disease. have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> uh, I grew up, um, uh, as an athlete, uh, I, was, I did judo. I, so I was a 10-time junior national champion in judo, and I was a high school state wrestling champion. Dang. In business, when I was nine, I started my own uh, baseball card and comic book business. Entrepreneur from yeah. birth, right? So I would, yeah. I mean, I hustle kid. I would hustle kids in the neighborhood out of their shit, <laughs> and then on the weekends I would set up boots at trade shows. And I was like, even at nine, ten years old, I was pulling like three hundred dollars a weekend, you know. And then when you're nine years old, three hundred bucks is like a everybody lot of used money. to say. I think I sold drugs when I was like ten. I was like, I didn't know what the fuck drugs were, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you show me cocaine. I, I had no idea what that is or weed. But I had a kid. I remember I sold a bag of mulch to when I was thirteen and told him it was weed and he bought it and <laughs> opened it up and was like, "That's good weed." And I was like, "I don't fucking know what this shit is," you know? Grass <laughs> good old Kevin Pauly. But uh, I'll never forget. That. I made 40 bucks off that. No, but um, <laughs> I used to hustle him out of cards too. But uh, no, so like everybody, I always figured that I figured the business of the card game like really easily. And it was like um, the businesses, people like to buy packs of cards, right? Right. Because it's gambling, mm-hmm. right? You never know what you're going to get. Well, I would never fucking do that shit because I never gambled. So like mm-hmm. my whole thing was like just getting the elite stuff the stuff everybody wanted i would just get mm-hmm. and so i just i had it was a pretty modest setup but i crushed it and i did that from the time i was nine till i was 17 like every weekend that i wasn't competing i would go to a trade show i would set up i would sell baseball cards and comic books and back then that was a good business it was a really good business that. then yeah. it all crumbled in in uh I think like 98, 99, I think it was mm-hmm. when that whole industry just, just fucking got shit. destroyed because mm-hmm. they got greedy Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really good documentaries about that, by the way. But, um, you know, and then the comic book industry actually flourished during that time. So when the baseball card industry and, the, and basketball cards and all that stuff got overproduced by Tops and Pinnacle and Upper Deck and all that stuff, um, that was when Marvel started making their movies. So mm-hmm. people, I don't think, actually read comic books. I never did, man. I, I didn't never read, shit as read a kid. them, but yeah. collecting them was a big thing. And my dad had this massive collection he has like showcase number four which is the first appearances of spider-man and he had green lantern number one he had amazing comic books number one which is the first appearance of superman there's only like fucking four of those left in the world and so we had like these amazing comic books right and me and my dad don't we don't get along or anything but like that business we were we ran that business together and that was like one of the only things that we did together that i would say was like a highlight of my of my childhood mm-hmm. but um you know, it was cool because I'd have like an action comic number one, like on display. So everybody would come to my table, you know, but no, I killed it, man. I did that shit. And that's like how I had all my money growing up. You know, it was just like everybody was always begging their parents for money. And I had a bank account with like $30,000 in it like my whole life, <laughs> you know, because I, I, yeah. I worked hard, you know, when they were yeah. playing video games, I was organizing cards, you know, or I was having poker tournaments at my house and scamming kids out of, out of cards because yeah. that's how we would bet. Which kind of reinforces, I think, it's, I think, it's, yeah, with the, yeah, you bet with cards because we didn't have any, there was no money. So you play blackjack or you play, you play poker or we would, we would gamble on, you know, playing basketball in the streets and all that stuff. And I was always the house. 
So I was, I was like, yeah, you're coming to my house. Like you gotta, you gotta give me, you know, at least a hundred dollars worth of stuff just to come in and stuff like that. So I would, you know, I was always the house. So I always won. <laughs> yeah. Always win. On the yeah. And one, one thing that I say a lot, and I, here's my honest beliefs. So I'm curious on your opinion on it is, uh, I think entrepreneurship, like true entrepreneurship, you're born that way. I don't think you don't, can't just become that. I don't think so. I've seen so many people because entrepreneurship is super glorified right now. Like everybody wants, everyone says they're an entrepreneur, Instagram entrepreneur. Like one, first of all, are you, come on, did you start an LLC? Now you call yourself an like, Yeah. You know, there's a lot of bullshit. It's, a, it's a very thrown around word. Yeah. You know, it's thrown around a lot, but I don't know. I think that everybody's different. Um, you know, I would say that my wife has become an entrepreneur and um, through a business and she is not, someone that's business minded normally yeah but she's done a lot of she's into like you know the motivational stuff and she's a learn she learns and and operates what what she learns and takes it on her own path i'm not like that um after i after high school i moved up to the olympic training center and um to, to train there and I blew out both my shoulders like the first two months I was there so I had surgery and during that time I, I was working at 24 hour fitness so I was like chasing the Olympic dream and working really hard to do that and then that got taken away from me and so I just channeled it all into 24 hour fitness I was 19 years old as a personal trainer I made $60,000 so you're 19 years old I was driving like I had a Corvette convertible, which I couldn't drive in Colorado. I didn't know that, but <laughs> I was like brand new. Like I had a dope ass Corvette. I had a um, big ass house and it was just, I couldn't imagine going back to the life of an athlete because I was so addicted to the money mm-hmm. and the, and the praise you get from being successful, Sure, you know, and um, which I think is a huge part of the work addiction. But um, you know, so after that, you know, I moved into sales at 24 hour fitness <laughs> I was a top salesperson for the company for fuck six years. I was pulling like two fifty a year, you know. But you know, my lifestyle was about two fifty five a year. Right. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, I tell that all the time. It's really, I had a, I had a, a, a manager that used to always tell me, "Is like, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep." That's right. You know. And so it's like, if I, I could have been, I could have made fucking. $5,000 a year and been in the same place, but I was putting a hundred hours a week into it, mm-hmm. but I had a lot of fun. <laughs> we partied really hard and we had some really cool toys, which all got taken away eventually. But, um, yeah. you know, I did that for like, uh, eight years and then, uh, you know, started fight to win and then the rest is history. Yeah, man. Um, you know, and you said earlier that at some point, uh, you got sued. Was it a lawsuit? So we got filed bankruptcy. I, yeah, I felt yeah. bankruptcy because yeah. of the housing market. Tell me about that going through that, man, because most people would have just given up. You know what I mean? Like most people out there that gets kicked in the face like that would have just um, given up. You know, I mean, I think it's like you said about failures, you know. I think there's some motivational quote out there that's like your failures become your successes. I don't fucking like know. That. I don't know. I don't yeah. ever read those. But for me, um, it was uh, – I just I, – I just, when I was – 23 years old when I was selling, I was make like I said, I was making like 200,000 a year, but had no money. And I remember I got to like a super low point where I was like really broke. I had like, you get scared when you get to like the, the grocery store and you put your credit card in, like if it's going to go through or not, mm-hmm. you know? And this was like, I rem- I used to bounce checks at King Supers and I like, I was literally making two bills a year, you know? But I had my, just my living expenses were fucking insane and I couldn't control it. And, um, I remember like I put a fucking gun in my mouth and I wanted to kill myself because I was so broke 
and it was just so it was so disheartening and like I just remember how low that felt like my sister didn't want to talk to me because I had to borrow money from her and that's like something I've n- I'd never do you know because it was just like it's ridiculous it was like you're making all this money and you're fucking broke like what the fuck is wrong with you I was blown at all you know what I mean and 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 it was just like it was such a horrible feeling now once I got to that point with the bankruptcy stuff um it's like that 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 just moment of having that barrel in my mouth like always resonates in my head and I just like you just got you can't you can't quit like you just have to say fuck it like I gotta grind I gotta go and that's one thing I always say people are like oh okay you know if they like bitch about not being able to get a job I don't really hang out with anybody that doesn't have a job but if they were to say that I would just say like if you work hard enough you can be successful in anything if my company shut down tomorrow I could go get a job as the front desk person at Arby's and I'd be the president of the company in six months I will outwork every single person that's there. I'll outwork them and I'll be more successful. That's how it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's funny because Ray Lewis sent my son a a video yesterday and uh, he told him, he said, Ray Lewis. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My son's like probably the best linebacker. One of the best linebackers at his age group in the country. He's definitely the best in the state. And he's just been sending stuff to Ray Lewis and Ray Lewis sent this video back and he just said, Tell me if I'm wrong, but I believe he said you got to outwork everybody on the football field and you got to outwork everybody in every asset of your life. And that's how you're going to be successful. You got to outwork everyone. You got to grind if you want to be the best. That's right. And I feel, I feel like that's just how it is. You know, there's, I remember when I was at 24 fitness, there was that whole thing about working smart, not hard or whatever. Give me a fucking smartest person in the world. You set him next to me for five minutes, for five hours and I'll work next to him for five hours and we'll see who gets further. I don't care how fucking dumb I am or how smart somebody else is. I know I can beat them if I just work really hard. That's just, that's just how I feel. Like I get the whole work smart, not hard thing. I just like, I can't embrace that because I feel like we're all smart at what we do in some way, shape or form. You know, I might not have a college degree or know how to operate Instagram live, but, uh, I can, uh, you know what I mean? I can get a job done and be successful at it. We're all good at certain things. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like my company, there's 11 of us that work for my company and there's four of us that have technical jobs. So I do the matchmaking and promoting. I have, um, this uh, woman named Missy that does all the logistics, so like the ticketing, um, travel and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I have a guy that cuts and edits all the videos and I have a production manager that creates the vision of the lighting, right? If I tried to do all of that by myself, I would fail miserably, Absolutely. Yeah. but I'd be able to delegate, which is really hard to do. Give to, up that control. Give up anything is mm-hmm. really hard. And I'm dealing with that now with these VCs. They want to put someone in place to take away stuff. And I'm just like, it's like the thing that scares me most. But eventually you always wind up doing it. Once you build up enough trust with somebody and you can hand them something and then they do a good job at it, mm-hmm. then you can you can trust that they're going to be able to get it done. And that's where I'm at now. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, you're only as good as your team that surrounds you. Absolutely. Like, because one person can't do everything. You know, I mean, look at fucking Matt Stafford for Detroit. The kid's a stud and he like made the playoffs once. Right. His team sucks. You know, Dan Marino mm-hmm. never won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have good people around you. And um, in my business, I'm at the point now where um, back in the day, I used to be there at 8 a.m. until the final bell is over. First one in, last one out, making sure everything got done perfectly. Now I fucking work in my hotel room and watch friends all day and I show up 
an hour before the show and do my job. Yeah. No, no, I I work during the show. During the show, I'm the VJ, I'm the DJ, I'm the announcer. Um, I time the lighting. Like I do a lot during the show, but most of my work is done prior to the event. It's all matchmaking and marketing. So mm-hmm. once it's showtime, that's the fun time for me yeah. where I get a, I get to see the people I put together fight and I get a, I get to see the people in the crowd have fun. That's, you know, that's like my time, that would be a good but, feeling, but I'm at that point now where it's like, Evan, the production manager, he didn't like me coming there until an hour before the show because it, it's hard for me not to micromanage people. Mm-hmm. But it, once you get your business to that point where you can, you know, I mean, you own eight different stores, mm-hmm. like that, that would fucking crush me. Like when I was a district manager, <laughs> if you're I, doing it on your own, I had 17, yeah. 17 gyms when I was a district manager in the beginning and before it went down to nine. And it was just like, all right, these three stores are killing it, but these six stores are run by fucktards. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, I can't, it, it was just like, you have to, you're all, you couldn't trust. Like I could never develop that team. That was just like a solid nine people that I could trust to run businesses. It was always so stressful. Mm-hmm. And I'm in that point now where I, tr- I can trust everybody that works for me to get their job done. And that's a that's fucking beautiful place to be at. Yeah. I mean, that, you've had to do a lot of work to get there too. I've gone through a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't say I spaghetti hired my staff. Like I did at 24 hour fitness. I usually just hire 10 people at a time. And be like, uh, the first day, just go yeah. put out 10,000 flyers. Half of them will come back. So now you have five. The yeah. next day, make 300 phone calls. Three of them come back. And it would be like, I would go from 10 to one. And then the one is who I would put out. I would literally just make their life hell for two weeks. Yeah. I wouldn't teach them anything. I wouldn't waste my time because they're just going to quit anyways. Yeah. Just paying them $8 an hour to go put out flyers or go smoke weed in their car. You know, I can figure it out. If they're, you know, they come back with farmer's tans. I know who actually did what I told them they were going to do. Yeah, right. like it was really easy to, to weed out the week at 24 hour fitness, but the, they literally will hire anybody. Like yeah. that was our thing. Just yeah. like, just whatever. It mm-hmm. only doesn't cost shit to onboard people. So just bring them on and then we'll just get rid of them. Mm-hmm. They quit. They quit themselves. But with this business, I, I am real picky about who I bring on. So it's like, um, you know, I have people that work for me that are from all over the country, you know? And it's like, I get a vibe from them. Like they're, cause you can't just like jujitsu to work. Cause you have to be able to work for a, um, 20 hour period without sleep. So, yeah. So basically what we do, and that's why I tell people all the time when they ask me, like if they can, you know, they want to do the job. And I'm like, it's just like the fun stuff you see isn't what the work is. Mm -hmm. It's like we wake up, our normal week is we wake up at um, Thursday morning. I usually have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning, get to the airport for a 5 a.m. flight. And then we arrive in the city around eight o'clock, go straight to the venue, work on the show. Weigh-ins are at six. They get off at eight. Crew works till nine. Uber Eats and food or whatever because we don't do restaurants. We just do Uber Eats because if you go to a restaurant, they order more expensive shit. <laughs> and then, um, you know, at nine o'clock, everybody goes to their hotel rooms, back up at 8 a.m., work until the show's completely torn down, which is around 4 a.m., uh, hop into a shower, go to the airport, and get a 5 a.m. flight home, 6 a.m. flight home. It's yeah. 48 hours. Yeah, That's dude. what we do. And people are like, oh, I can do that. And then you do Not it once. 40 times? Fucking in a year? Dead. Yeah. Because it's hard. We have 60,000 pounds of production equipment and all of it's lifted by hand. So it's like, it's a lot, it's a lot of work. It's a lot, it's a lot of grinding, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so, I mean, that's, that's just how the job is. And that's just, (laughs) that's what it is, you know? Well, we got some questions, man. We better jump into some questions before we go too long. Kayla, you got some questions for us? 
you balance your business and family life, especially with being on the road all the time? Well, like I just said, I'm only on the road 48 hours a week. So um, it's still hard, though. Um, uh, my wife helps me a ton. Um, and my, my and I feel weird calling him my roommate, um, you know, because I'm married. I have three kids and three dogs and a cat. But um, <laughs> we, have, we have a pretty big house. And we have a – it's like a downstairs apartment set up. So it's, it's just weird yeah. for me to call him a roommate because it's like – Your tenant. It, yeah, it's yeah. like – yeah, it's a little different. But anyways, he's my video guy, and he helps me a ton with the kids. So like – because my kids are really active. They all have sports. Mm -hmm. So usually um, J Joel or Lauren will take the kids to the sports and I work like all fucking day and night. And then like they come and hang out with me in the basement. I've got this weird nerve problem where like if my body heat rises a certain amount, I get like pins and needles from my whole body since my neck surgery. Uh -huh. So like I have to be in cold environment all the time, which mm -hmm. is super weird. And I'm really excited that it's going to snow tomorrow. <laughs> um, you know, um, but that it, it's hard balancing the, 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 the family. Um, this is going to sound weird. Luckily I'm divorced from my first wife who has, I have two kids with. Um, so I really not missing out on that much time with them because they're at their mom's half the time, half the time yeah. anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, and my six year old, like he hangs out with me in the basement, like all the time. So I really don't feel like I miss that much. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. I think for, for a lot of people, it would be really hard. I'm just lucky that I'm in the situation I'm in. So, you know. Yeah, for so sure. A little bit lucky on that one. And that's one thing about entrepreneurship is is a misconception that if you own a business and you're an entrepreneur, you can't have family life and and family life suffers. That's not true, man. Like you can create anything you want and I actually spend a ton of time with my family. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of it has to do with your family and their acceptance of what you have to do and the yeah. life that it is. That's our life. That's what it is. I work mm -hmm. a ton. They hang out with me while I work. You know, I'm, I don't like work in an office. So I think that's a huge plus. I work on a recliner, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's like, I'm always home. You know, I think if I had a, if I had a real job, if I was working at 24 hour fitness, I would see my family less than I see them now. Absolutely. Guaranteed. You know? Yeah. Or even any real job nine to five, like there's times yeah. I can just go home and hang out with my family anytime I want. Yeah. You can do whatever you, know, you want. Do whatever I want. When you own your own business, but mm -hmm. yeah. Um, if you yeah, own it correctly. Yeah, it's true. Know? Yeah. All right. Next one. This is still for you. Um, as a father, how do you keep your oldest son hard or humble? That kid's a beast. This is a two-part question. Well, yeah, he just got a message from Ray Lewis. I, I don't. I don't want him to be humble. Yeah. No, I mean, no. He Carter has um, made every decision correctly so far in his life. For him, I, I've, I've always put a lot of a lot of uh, decision-making ability on him for him to decide what he wanted to do even when he was little because we did like personal training with him when he was like six years old, five years old with Josh Caban. I don't know if you know who that is. Mm -hmm. He's an MMA fighter. Huh. It's funny because his first time he lost his first two teeth, he was doing sit-ups with a medicine ball and it came through his hands. And <laughs> and Josh like freaked out. They were already loose, but it was like that's how he lost his first two teeth. Yeah. But, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, Carter uh, – he, he's just, he's just a great kid. You know, he, um, he's respects people and he's very, he's very sweet, you know? Um, but when he's out there, he's a murderer, you know, he's, he doesn't care about the well being of other children and he has no problem crushing them. You know, he's got that mindset, you know, he's just, it's, it's a unique mindset of, of, you know, 
it's like I said, it's that work hard mindset. He works so hard and it's everything he's done his whole life. And I didn't do any of it for him. Like I, yeah, I paid for the personal trainers and I pay for his linebacker coach and all that stuff. But he, he's the one that chooses to do it. He's the one that chooses to buy in. He's the one that studies the game film. He's the one that, that, that did all this stuff, you know? And then, um, I think one of the other, maybe one of the humbling things for him, um, is that he grew up, he couldn't speak until he was about seven years old. He had a really bad speech impediment and nobody could understand what he was saying. Um, he doesn't remember, he doesn't remember that now at all. Um, you know, but it was really hard for him. Like when he was really little and, um, they made him a quarterback when he was like seven and the coach told him, he was like, the kid's got to understand what you're saying. Like you've got to work harder on your, on your speech. And so it went from like, you know, 10 minutes a day to like an hour a day and it got better and better and better. And it's funny. It's funny. He doesn't remember it now, but it was like one of those like crying, like everyday type thing. And then he struggled in school until he was like in fifth grade um, with school. And then we found out that he was like severely, my wife found out um, through a test outside of the school because the school system sucks that he was severely dyslexic. Oh shit. And so, which happens a lot with high level athletes, I guess, that especially in football, from what I've been told, um, the reason that they're so good at, at football, um, is because it's X's and O's and it's, 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 it's more, it's like math. Like everything's like math. It's not like English. So it's like, Oh, this guy goes here. One plus one equals you're dead. And so, (laughs) and so there's a lot of, and so, we got him a tutor and stuff like that. And now he makes straight A's. But I think that was kind of humbling for him coming up, like struggling with school and all that. And it just, I don't know, man, I just, I'm lucky with him, you know? And like, now it's like, he, he, like, he has a cell phone, you know, and he like, he sets his personal training appointments. He works with his linebacker coach. He did his physical therapy when he blew his leg out. He's the one doing everything. I get a lot of credit for him, which I think is hilarious because it's like, people are like, oh, Seth lives his, his, his dreams through his kid. I never dreamed to be a football player. <laughs> when I was in seventh grade, I was 13 years old. I was 85 pounds. He's 13 years old. He weighs 135 pounds. He weighs 50 pounds more than I did when I was in seventh grade. And I was terrible at football. <laughs> like I was, ter- I was afraid to hit people. Yeah. Well, I didn't 85 fi- pounds, man. I didn't figure, I didn't figure out, I didn't figure out in football that the harder you hit someone, the less it hurts you. Right. I hadn't, I didn't figure that out. So I would just get crushed by all these people because I was little and it hurt, you know, I hated, it I hated football, man. I yeah. fucking hated it. And he just, he loves it, you know? And, um, you know, I'm excited to see what happens for him. Like, uh, he's got the option to go to Valor, but I think he's going to wind up at Cherry Creek, and then um, he's going to play at Creek with his uh, with his current teammate. They're competing for the national championship in middle school football nice. here pretty soon, and uh, they'll probably win that. And I'm sure they'll win a bunch of state titles, and he'll go on to college, and then the NFL. That's that's the plan. But yep. you know, to answer the question about keeping him humble, that's all on him. You know, I mean, he knows he knows how great he is, and. Um, but he still looks for approval, which is cute, you know? He's still like, what was your favorite thing I did today? He's still a little kid. Like, I mean, he's only 13, but, like, he's still he's still my baby. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He's always going to be my little baby. He's always going to be that little kid with the mohawk that walked into 24-Hour Fitness and would walk back to the candy machine and get a Skittles. Like, that's yeah. that's what he's always going to be, you know? And he, he still has that sweetness to him. I don't know if he'll always have it, you know, but right now he does. And I think 
a lot of it probably happens because he's not really into girls yet. So I think that might ruin him. <laughs> girls, yeah, girls so ruin a lot. That could ruin him, you know. So, but I don't know. Like I said, like I, he's made all the right decisions. So I just I kind of leave stuff up to him, and until he disappoints me or does something that like. Well, and he's yeah. going to screw up at some point. He's you know, going to screw. Everybody life, screws up that's at some life. point, but he he learns from his mistakes, and yeah, you know, and and you know, I'm just I'm lucky, you know, and I, it's the same with my with my 11 year old. He doesn't have the the gifts that God gave Carter of size and strength and and all that, and they don't even play the same sports. But he has the gift of being the most caring child in the entire world, and he's super sweet and he's wicked smart, you know. And so, like, it's always funny. We always say we can see Carter playing in the NFL on Sunday and Gabe in the booth, like, being the commentator. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Because be cool. he's, like, he's like a stats whiz. Yeah. Like, he memorizes Doing everything. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's, like, it's super cool. You know, they're, yeah. they're very different. You know, and I'm, I'm super proud of both of them. They're great kids. Well, I think it's super important and in, in how you're approaching this with him is he's making his own decisions. He's the one hiring or scheduling the training and and – the workouts and everything like that, because you're, you're not pushing him to do it. Well, I, I had to when he was little Yeah, and I kept telling him like, this stuff will pay off for you. But also I never coached him. And I think that's a huge mistake that parents make. I don't think you should ever coach your kids because it, it was a big problem with me and my father. And then with, um, you know, it's like if your coach is a dickhead to you at football practice, you want someone to complain to you know, yeah. just to hear you complain. And if you got to get in the car with the same fucking person, like that sucks. Like you got no one yeah. to talk to. Yeah. And then you go home and you complain to your mom or your sister and they're going to be on their side. Like they're not going to hear you out. You know, I think, I think it's always good to find really good coaches to put your kids with. That's not you. And so, and it's even funny, like when he's plays in the game, like the way I interact with him, I'd be like, if he's like, something's wrong, I'll like go up to him. I'll be like, what are you seeing out there? And he'll like break it down for me. I act like I have no idea what's going on, but I played Madden my whole <laughs> life. So I know, you know what's all going about on. football. Yeah. You know, I understand all the coverages. I know like all the moves. I know, you know, hit stick, spin move is B. Like, I got football down, but you know, it's always fun to me. I always kind of like to play it down. Like, I don't know what's going on and have him explain it to me, but like, I, you know, when he was really little, I used to freak out all the time at like, even like, like soccer games, like, you know what I mean? Like, and now it's just like, I just sit back and watch them it's, as long as they give a hundred percent, like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I don't care if they win, lose, if they suck, you know, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. who cares? As long as they're trying their best, it's all you can really ask for in your kids and everything that they do. Right. You know, and I, I do feel like you have to treat every single one of your kids uniquely and differently. Everyone always says that like, oh, you got to treat them the same. It's like, I can't treat my kids the same because they're fucking the worlds apart. Yeah. They're completely different people. It's like, if I was like, it's hard, I'm not even hard on him, but if I like, you, if I rode Gabriel, like I rode Carter, like it would, it made, would make no fucking sense. They're not into the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I try, I do, I treat them completely different, you know, but I mean, I love both of them and I just, I, I do what I can to get the most out of, most out of each of them and still at the same time, allow them continue to be children that's one thing i worry about all the time is um you know my childhood was taken away really young when my mom passed away when i was six and my dad i remember that night telling me like you have to grow up now and that was like the end of my childhood six. i was six years old and i don't want that for my kids i don't want them to ever have to grow up like i want it to just naturally happen mm -hmm. you know continue play your fucking video games yeah. play your Fortnite play around on snapchat you know and be, mm -hmm. a kid. be a kid you know and my son was like hey i want to come work for you this summer 
And I was like, no, that ain't going to work, dude. He's like, what do you mean? And I was like, look, man, when you get to high school, like, you don't need, he don't need money. I give him money. He, he earns money, you know, around the house. Like, this summer, we, we cleaned out our entire house of, like, 20 tons of toys, probably. Just threw it all out, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I know I should have donated it, whatever. But I just got a dumpster. And I paid. They wound up each making, like, a G, like, each. Because it was, like, literally, like, 50 hours of work, right? And so they cleaned the house out, and I gave him a thousand bucks, and he went and bought a seven hundred dollar chain, you know. But I was like, "That's the thing that kids should do. That's what you should do with it. Don't yeah. leave it in the bank. You know what I mean? Don't let it accrue interest. Like, go out there and spend stuff. Buy what you want. You know, my and my youngest, like, he put his into a t- TV and a PS4 or VR for his room. It's like, hell yeah, man, go do it. It's your money. Do whatever you want with it. Yeah, you earned cool. it. You worked hard for it. Yeah, you know." And, you know, but he was like, yeah, I want to come work this summer. Like how much, you know, what do you think? And I'm like, I want you to wait at least till you're in high school. Be like, why? I was like, cause I want you to go to the pool. I want you to yeah. play video games. I want you to stay up late at night and have no responsibility because eventually like it was special when he gets to high school, high school football is no joke. That's a yeah. job. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have that job for eight years till he's done with college of studying. Mm-hmm. If he wants to be that successful. So it's like, I just want him to be, I want my kids to be kids as long as I can keep them that way. Absolutely. I agree. hundred percent. Yeah. What, what we got? You've kind of answered this with your last answer, but it said, I have two older brothers who were bigger and better athletes than me growing up. And it made me super competitive. Having two boys active in sports, how do you keep healthy competition and equal enthusiasm in sport? Both of them? But you kind of answered that. I put them in completely different sports. I learned in the beginning, um, I had him playing the exact same thing. And by the time that, um, my, my middle, by the time I don't want to call him my middle child, by the time Gabriel was seven and Carter was nine, it was obvious to me that, um, it's, I mean, it's worlds apart and it's not an effort thing. It's a God given gift thing of one being a giant and one not being a giant. And it's just one of those things where, um, it was causing some problems where Gabe would be really sad because Carter is, you know, Gabe was the center on the team and Carter was scoring 30 touchdowns on his team. And, and, and so I, I kind of pushed him out of those sports, but he kind of chose on his own to do different sports. And, um, you know, like he does jujitsu and, you know, at, at Easton and Centennial, they just have an incredible kids program. And they're really good about building confidence. And um, it's not just like jujitsu. Like it's, it's like a full character building program and he loves it, you know, and I would never let Carter do jujitsu because I want him to, I want Gabe to have his own thing. But Carter be, Carter would probably be better than him instantly because of the athletic ability. Mm-hmm. Just he's a freaking nature, you know, but I want Gabe to have that. That's for him. And yeah, I get, I mean, like this weekend, they have a game at the same time. Carter's got a football game. Gabe's got a soccer game. Last week I went to Carter's game. This week I go to Gabe's game, you know, because it doesn't matter like what sport they do or whatever it is, you know? I mean, like I said, just because, you know, one kid is better than the other at something, the other kid's going to be better than him at something else just because it's not football. You know what I mean? You just encourage them. And I I believe I, I, I had to separate them. Like to me, it was like, it was not even a question because it was, it was causing problems. And now it's like, we put a lot into Gabe's playing soccer and jujitsu and Carter plays football and basketball. And that's how we do it. (laughs) You do these sports, you do these sports, you both have your own successes. You cannot compare each other to each other. Like done. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it makes it easier. Yeah. 
It's probably the easy way out, but that's what I did. <laughs> nah, man, I think it's super important, man. That way they're not competing against yeah. themselves in the same sport. Well, yeah, I mean, and they will. That's just natural, man. Like, boys, yeah. especially boys, you want to compete against each other no matter what they're doing. But It helps that one of them's like four foot six and the other one's like five foot eight, though. Yeah. So it's like, he's not, it's not, it's not like a twin competition. Like, one of them is literally a foot taller. Yeah. And they're only one grade apart. So it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, well, I mean, he, 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 of course he's going to be better than you in basketball. He's a foot taller than you, right. you know? But I think Gabe realizes that. And Gabe, you know, is pretty, you know, self-aware of, of who he is and, and stuff like that. And we support him in everything that he does just as much as we support Carter. Right now. Any other questions come across? Uh, no, let me just check Instagram quick. Cool. Well, what's, um, what do we got to look forward to, man? What do you got in the works? Anything you can leak out here on the, the BC? Well, I mean, we just got signed. We're doing the ADCC in 2021. Um, That's a big deal. It's a, it's a big deal because it's like I, I was telling you before, it's the Olympics of our sport. So, I mean, yeah. it doesn't get any bigger than that. Um, so, right now we're venue hunting all over the United States, um, trying to find the perfect fit for the event. And um, that's a lot. And then... You know, like I said, I have a show almost every single weekend. <laughs> so the next for the rest of the year, I've got Philly, Chicago, Denver, uh, San Francisco, Hawaii, and Fresno, and then uh, I get to take a month off. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. That month off. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's funny. It's, it's funny too. It's like I I had to cancel a show this week, and people are like, "Oh, I took a vacation or whatever." It's like, no, it's a catch up week. Like I'm using it to catch up on work. Like that's yeah. what it's for. Like people don't understand that aren't in the business world. It's like I take one week usually a year where I don't do anything. Like completely decompress and 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 don't work. We usually go out of the country or something like that. And then I don't work on Thanksgiving and I don't work on Christmas. Right. Every other day. It's work. I work. I don't work during the firework time of Fourth of July. I literally will work until it gets dark in the market I'm working and then I'll stop. And watch fireworks. Yeah, yeah. yeah I love fireworks. <laughs> we go to my lawyer's house. We have like this crazy party that we have every year. And then um, it's really fun. They shoot bottle rockets at each other with the shields. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah bottle rocket fights. Fucking hilarious. I'm dude. a redneck from Nebraska, man. Yeah, I yeah. Up I'm like from that. Texas, man. So it's like, it's, it, it, we're like super trashy. Yeah. Right? And it's like a bunch of lawyers and stuff. And they're all just like trash bags. It's awesome. Yeah. And awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, but other than that, it's like, you know, Memorial Day, Labor Day. Um, you know, Memorial Day, that's like a, you know, start working around like 11 a.m. Labor Day is not really a holiday, you know? So it's like, it's mm -hmm. literally like the days where everybody else is like, oh, you know, I'm go drink all day and do this. Like I'm working until you're drunk. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? That's just how it is, you know? And that's how you got to be. You just got to go 24 seven. It never stops. There's no checking out, man. There's no, not. You don't check out. Yeah, you can't. Because if, if you're not working, then someone else is. That's right. Yeah. And there's always someone trying to copycat you. Yeah. I mean, everybody yeah. always says there's someone better than you at everything. I, I don't believe that. I believe that I'm the best there is at what I do. But I have to stay there. You know, there's a – there's a. it's funny. We have this superstar in grappling named Gordon Ryan. And he's like – he's the best in the world. And he knows it. And he's 24 years old. And he talks a lot of shit. And he backs it up. And he has a lot of people hate him. Um, and they, they don't know him. Like, he's amazing. He's a great fucking kid. But a lot of people hate him and talk a lot of shit online because of what he says. Yeah. But it, everything he says is, is backed up. He's like, I'm going to do this to this guy. I'm going to do this to this guy. And he goes out and does it. Yeah. 
And so, like, he did this interview, and they were like, what do you have to say to all your haters? He was like, fuck you, losers. I'm the best to ever do it, baby. <laughs> I was just like, if you're going to work that hard, and you're going to be the best at it. Like, he's got to stay up because oh, yeah. everybody wants to watch him fail. Which is maybe part of his success, and he knows what he's doing to himself. Well, that's how I feel, edge. too. It's like you know people, I mean? people, especially bottom dwellers, you know, and Kmart people, they look at you mm-hmm. as as Kmart people are starting to go to Walmart now. Yeah, so. no, they're jealous. They want to see you fail. Like yeah. nobody, people. There's very few people I feel like actually want to watch other people succeed. Like they want people to be on their level or below them. Yep. And so, no matter what, you have people that want to watch you burn. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I just always, I'm always focused on not giving people that opportunity to shit on me. You know. And then when they do, I call them out on it. You know, and, and just try to always, try to always make sure I'm staying on top of the line. You know, have mm-hmm. you seen that meme? Mm-mm. It's like people see an op- entrepreneur riding into town on a lion and they're like, oh, that guy, he, you know, he's the king. Look at him. You know, he runs the show and the entrepreneurs on the lion just thinking, fuck, I better not fall off and get eaten alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's so it's always like, that pressure. Yeah. There's always, always that pressure of, of staying and being the best at something. Mm-hmm. And when you. You know, you have all these haters who just want to watch you fail. Uh, to me, it's more motivation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and fear can be fear of failure fear or of fear of falling huge. off the lion can either be super motivational or paralyze you. It depends yeah. on how much fear you have that level. I get you know, both. For me, it's I, I get, for, for, sometimes it is. And then sometimes it's paralyzing. Yeah. I go through, I, I, I go through pretty bad depression and, uh, I go up and down. Like I'm pretty up and down. I'm like super heavily medicated. And, um, sometimes like things are can be awesome and like i i'm just waiting for it to go bad and sometimes things are like super bad and i just completely shut down mm-hmm. and i'm just like sleep for like three two hours just to get out of my head and it but and a lot of people don't see that stuff they don't know like they, they go oh you know like after adcc people like my my business partner on the event and like all the fighters were all partying it was like free alcohol and like going crazy and me and my other partner were literally sitting at the show afterwards once everybody left in silence just sitting there for an hour, just breathing, <laughs> breathing. Yeah. Just to decompress from the stress, what? you know? And, uh, I, I think a lot of people don't see the dark side mm-hmm. of, of entrepreneurship, you know, because it's so bipolar. Well, man. you have to make your own money, you know, like motherfuckers that work at McDonald's, they get a paycheck. They know what's coming. Right. I don't know if I'm getting, I don't know if I'm getting paid. Yeah. I, I've got to make my own money and I've got, I've got, you know, entire family and 12 other people that I got to worry about you know, making money and, and all this stuff. And it's, it's, it's pretty paralyzing to be honest with you. Like the, uh, um, I don't know if it's fear of failure, if it's more of, um, fear of staying the course (laughs) that you can't stay it, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's like, it's, it cripples me, man. Like I go through some dark shit in my head and then, you know, the events are like my, my high point and then it like crashes again. And that's why, that's one of the reasons I do so many events because the, down, the yeah. downtime kills me. Yeah. Like the, when you have to think is like what crushes me because during the show, I have no time to think. Right. I'm just, I'm DJing and I'm doing all that stuff and like everything's cool. And then afterwards it's just like, oh. yeah, you know, so it's something I'm working on, but it's like, it's definitely something I think a lot of entrepreneurs go through Dude, I, a I massive so. amount of, of anxiety and depression. Absolutely. You know, I think if you look at the amount of people that take 
Lexapro and Xanax, they're probably own their own business more than people that don't. <laughs> if you do that correlation between business owners and antidepressant, yeah, but just pretty yeah, high. I mean, it's just it's just it is what it is. It's the highs yeah. and the lows. It's, the 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 life of an entrepreneur, like you said, it's completely manic and it's completely bipolar, because. It, but you got you got to learn. I always tell you, you got to learn to ride the wave. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if things things don't get super excited when things get really good, and don't get super pissed or horrible when things get really bad, mm-hmm. because it's always going to be there if you if you put the work into it. You're always going to be okay in the end. But yep. it's hard. It's hard to like consistently remember that. You know, and people always ask me that like they're like, oh, what's your goal with every show? How much are you trying to make? And my analogy is a baseball analogy. It's like, I'm never trying to hit a fucking home run. Like I'm just trying to hit singles Yeah. Like every single week. I just don't want to fucking strike out. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want to be Babe Ruth. I don't want to have the most strikeouts and the most home runs. <laughs> just be, be, I don't want to be Cal Ripken Jr. I just want to get on base. That's right. I'm showing my age now. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so uh, entrepreneurship being bipolar, like it's not, for me, it's not even month to month. Like if you think long-term, that helps out a lot. Like, okay. I'm going to be an entrepreneur for the next 40 years of my life. It just is what it is. Yeah. In the next 40 years, like I'm going to have so many ups and downs, but like for me, it could be hour to hour. It's man. hour to hour. It's yeah. minute to minute. It's a, it's a message. When I, when I leave this, I'm going to get a message on my phone. That's going to probably put me in fucking hell. Right. And then I'm going to work through it. And in two hours, I'll be okay again. Yeah. That's, that's literally what it's like. Every, every message you get, every email you get can be a positive or negative of, of what's going to set the rest of your day. One of my, my things is like, I, I call it in the being in the groove, like when I'm matchmaking, cause I, I do 40 matches per show that's dealing with 80 fighters per event. Right. Yeah, and lot. I can get it done in a day if I get in a groove, but if something Jeez. happens and pulls me out of it, it could take me two weeks. Because it's like, okay, now I'm distracted. And now by the time I get back to it, I'm not into it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I literally like how I get in this like fucking like zone. flow. Yeah. yeah. just like, boom, 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 boom. And it's like, shit, I got to go fucking take my kid to fucking soccer practice. And then I'll come home and it's like four hours later. And I'm just like staring at my computer. And I'm just like, fuck this. I don't feel like doing it now. Yeah. And it's like, you know what I mean? So it's like getting in that, getting in the groove and staying in the groove is, is like the most important thing for me. And it's really fucking hard. Super hard, man. Yeah. Especially when you're hour to hour bipolar and yeah. entrepreneurship man that's how it is um, crazy you know if we if we weren't crazy maybe we aren't crazy maybe we're the sane ones and the crazy people are the ones that work for other people and fucking wait for people to tell them what to do and tell them how much they're worth who knows who knows you know yeah. i haven't seen joker yet but i hear that that movie will tell me if i'm crazy or not really <laughs> i haven't you know, seen I, it no, I just like i think the movie's a lot about the duality of man and i think that um you know, kind of like Fight Club. You know, yeah. just like who really is the crazy ones? Yeah. You know what I mean? Is it the, is it the people that are chasing after something, or the people that play it safe? You know, I don't know, man. Like I, I feel know. crazy I as hell a lot. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I don't know either. Like, is the person that doesn't need depression medication is that the, the the crazy one, or is it the person that recognizes like I'm fucked up? I need help. Is that the is like which yeah. one is it? You know what I mean? And because I honestly feel like that's how it is. There's like two types of people. There's like the people that fucking want to do their own thing and and lead their own path and chase their own shit, and then there's the people that are like, eh, I'm fine being told what to do. You know, whatever. Yeah. You know, just I think the me. people that are crazier, like for me, how I look at it is like when I start feeling, especially the, the manics and the, the depression and like everything's fucking up and down, like I'm born this way. I'm born an entrepreneur. I don't have a choice. Yeah. Like if I went to work for someone right now, nine to five, I would die. I like, got, I, I got, I'd be fucked. I got offered to be the president of UFC gym 
when it first opened. Yeah. And it was right after I got let go of 24 Fitness. And then I turned it down because it was in California and I had kids out here and it wasn't going to work. Um, had I been out here, I probably would have taken it. But um, then I got offered to be the manager at that club downtown, which is now a true fit. It was called Forza, Forza. back in the day. Mm-hmm. They offered me to run that. And I thought about it and I was like, I, I need to know if I can do something on my own. Like if I put all of it into it. So I turned it down and I've been offered a few different, mainly gym stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, people from the past, from, from my past opening up franchises and asking me to run. It. And it's just like, I'll think about it. For, not now. I, I haven't thought about this in years, but I used to think about it for like a couple of minutes and I just be like, fuck that. I got anxiety driving into this parking lot. Cause you do this 24 hour fitness. fitness. Yeah. Yeah. I have trouble working out at 24 hour fitness. I go to, yeah. I go to prestige cause I never worked there. Yeah. I have a membership for 24 hour fitness that I sold myself and I pay $20 a year, $49 a year, something like that. Yeah. And I probably go there once a year because I get anxiety going in there. I go in there and the first thing I, the first thing I said, we drove past there. I was like, look, there's signs fucked up. That's the first thing I noticed. I was like, signs fucked up. There's trash on the fucking sideways. That signs from last month. Like I immediately wanted to go in there and start firing people, you know? And uh, it's just like, that's just how it is. It's just like, I, I can't. I can't let go. Like the place caused so much fucking anxiety, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I like, I go to a completely different gym or I go to Landau's or something like that, you know? And it's just like, yeah. I can't let it go. It's weird. Yeah. Man, I get <laughs> it though. Like, like I said, yeah, there's no way I, I and I just remind myself, this is who I am. Yeah. I, the people I think are crazy are the people that are not born entrepreneurs, think they want to be an entrepreneur and try to be an entrepreneur. I think that's fucking nuts. Cause if I wasn't born this way, I don't know if I would do it. You know what I mean? I think it's pretty fucking cush to go work for someone else, check out, say, this is what, how much money I'm going to make guaranteed every, like, if I wasn't born this way, that seems pretty attractive. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it just is. So. That's how it was for me for a long time. You know, I was like, I loved working there. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, every two weeks, I'm going to get a $10,000 check. Yeah. It's a fucking it's great cush. feeling in the world. Yeah. You know? But eventually, like, I, I get tired of being told what to do. You know, that's what killed me there. That honestly, that's what killed me there is, is like they switched ownership and they were like, oh, these people are going to, these people are in. And remember we used to have like the ice hockey in the gym there. Like I had the USA versus Russia or I had like a foosball table or yeah. I had ping pong. I always had like some type of gaming thing. And I know it's like, it sounds stupid, but like when you're a salesperson and you're on the phone nine hours a day to get up for five minutes and play a fucking hockey game real quick, it like, you know, motion creates emotion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like keep, keep you moving around. First thing they did was they ordered everybody to remove their gaming systems. It was the first thing the new people did. I was like, fuck these people. And I was out. That was it. That's all it took. You took that's away my all, air hockey. I'm out of here. I was making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And they fucking told me I had to get rid of my gaming systems. And I was like, fuck this. I'm not, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to work here anymore. And that was like the beginning of the end for me. Cause I was like, I don't want to work for a company that fucking doesn't let me have any fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when I, when I used to work with magic Johnson and shit like that, like, dude, it was so fun. And then like all of them left and it turned so corporate. And I think, but I do think, I do think that, like you just said, the people that aren't born this way, they should definitely at least, I think you should have like a million different jobs. I don't think you should ever just like, like I was, I only had one, I've only had one job in my entire life. No shit. I've only worked. No, I'm sorry. I got fired from Chili's after two weeks (laughs) because of Michael Jordan. Um, Well, it was, it was game six against Utah and there was 10 seconds left. And the boss was like, Hey, you need to go clean table 23. And I was like, there's 10 seconds left. And I was like, just let me watch it. And he was like, go clean the fucking table. I was like, fuck you. I quit. 
And then, and then know, I stayed there and watched the 10 seconds. I watched the 10 <laughs> seconds and I got my shit and I fucking left. You know what I mean? I saw the shot when he crossed over Byron Russell. Yeah. And if I, I'm so happy I saw that live. I regret nothing, yeah. you know? And I saw the most, you know, iconic Jordan shot of all time. And I would have missed it if I would have listened to that guy. But and then I started working for 24 Fitness when I was 16 years old. And I literally is the only job I have ever had. The only time I've ever worked for somebody else in my entire life was that company. Yeah. And I just think that people should – I don't think you should ever try to have a, a, a career. I think you should get into something and have a job, do it for a little bit, pick what you like of it, and then once you're tired and you're not motivated, go do something else. One of my biggest rules um, in life, especially in business, is that if I'm doing anything and the only reason I'm doing it is to make money, then I'm going to stop doing Better it. stop. Yeah. Like I'll stop. I just won't do it anymore. That's what happened with the MMA. And that's what happened with the concert. So I was like, I only care about the money end of this. I do not care at all about the actual, you know, the fun, the the drive or anything like that. You can quit, fuck it, move on yeah. to the next thing. Absolutely. And I'm having fun right now. I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but it'll be the same thing. You know, the, Harry Rio always jokes with me. He was like, well, you only got two years left. Cause like with me, it was always five years at a time. Five years. He's like, you yeah. always got something for five. I own my tattoo shop for five years. I ran this or that for five years and I move on, you know, yeah. he's like, so you got like, you know, you got like a year and a half left. He messaged me a couple days. He's like, you know, like 18 months left. What's your next step? It's like, shut up, man. I'm good. I'm happy. I'm happy right now. I am happy with the way the business is going, but if it gets to that point, I'll fucking walk away. I, I'll, I'll just shut it down. I won't even mm. sell it. I'll just disappear. Just dissolve it. Disappear yeah. and then figure out the next thing I'm going to do. Yeah, man. <laughs> and that's the way you're wired, man. No matter what you do, you're going to be successful at. That's you have to. Yeah. Just got to work hard. So how, where can um, these people find your stuff, man? Just follow me. Follow us on Instagram um, at uh, F, the number 2, W, BJJ.com. Uh, I'm sorry, F2W, BJJ. Or uh, I'm, mine is Seth Daniels, F2W. Or, uh, yeah, just one of those two. And uh, I post a lot of inappropriate stuff, not like nudes or anything like that. You don't want to see that. But like yesterday, I, I found a plate that said, eat a bag of dicks on it. And I thought that was an amazing Hilarious. post. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of stuff like that. If you want to see a funny post of, of me re-trolling trolls, that's always a good thing. Good. I'm very good at bullying trolls. I enjoy it very much. Sometimes way too much. And I burn way too many hours of my day. Messing with trolls. People. I hate them. I hate them so fucking much. Yeah. I hate, I hate keyboard warriors. Mm-hmm. And they talk, and in my world, they're bad. Because like they talk shit to fighters and it's like, dude, I'm going to find you and I'm going to fuck you up. And then what's going to happen? Like, yeah. yeah, but then they disappear. Yeah. You know, they'll talk shit and then you're like, okay, dude, here's my locations. Like, what's up? And then they fucking disappear. You know what I mean? But like, there's just a lot of people out there, man. There's so many, so much fucking online hate for people that are successful mm-hmm. in, in any aspect. And I get so much of it, you know, because I'm kind of a jackass and I deserve it. But, um, it's just fun. It's fun to retroll people. Yeah. So if people enjoy watching other people get humiliated, definitely follow me. <laughs> Check him out. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one of my comments on one of my YouTube videos. Dude literally just said, "Go fuck yourself." Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah. So if hey, you thanks live, for the comment. <laughs> like, like, yeah. It, like that is a comment. Someone says, "Like, go fuck yourself." I said, "I'm too busy fucking your mom." That would have been my. If you get into that too, huh? and then yeah. I would have like kept going and then been like found out who his wife was, and then like flirted with his wife and then screenshotted it and posted it. I'm just kidding. I, would I, I don't go that deep. I don't go we that gotta, deep. I'm joking right now. I'm joking. You know, no, no, no. But I mean, like, I just, we'll I, I'll usually like, my favorite thing to do with trolls is to like screenshot their stuff and then like publicly call them out and then post their screenshot and, yeah. and then 
all my friends will fucking kill people. They'll just like murder them online. <laughs> like I have this guy and it's become a joke now, but every time I post something and I'm in it, he'll be like, you're very unprofessional. And then all my friends will tag him and be like, you're very unprofessional. And just be like, <laughs> boom, like hundreds of people just picking on this guy. His like following's gone up a ton because yeah. like so many people just pick on him. Yeah, I don't even know who it is. I have no idea who it is. Just some guy that fucking always calls me unprofessional. Because I, I think he said it one time and I told him to eat a dick and then he like said something about, well, you're the CEO of a company and you shouldn't talk like that. And I was like, because I'm the CEO, I can talk however I want. And like I said, eat a fucking dick. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And it's just like, you know, and that's one of the things too. I'll close on this. Um, one of the best things about entrepreneurship, this is one of my favorite stories. Um, I had this little kid that fought on my show. And I'm going to say this is in Chicago. And like, I'm constantly wearing pajamas when it's cold whatever sure. right yeah. and i've got like some cool star wars ones you know so i mean like <laughs> fuck it like you know you don't like pajamas fuck you what's wrong with you you know that's why i don't like skinny people it's like what you don't eat food you know, like, what the fuck's wrong with you you're donut they're fucking delicious no but um so his dad was like hey can we get a picture with you i was like yeah for sure and he's like oh it's okay you're in pajamas and i was like no it's cool i brought the kid over i was like when you own your own business you can wear whatever the fuck you want he's like, no. like eight years old yeah and his dad was like never mind and i was like cool but no that's what i'm saying it's like you can be whoever you want that's the best that's right, thing man. you know you, i wear the same shit every day yeah Either a public shirt and shorts or uh that's all i wear yeah you yeah the, the, some of the most professional people my partner from last weekend is worth i don't even know what he's worth by judging by the way his girlfriend looks i'd say hundreds of millions <laughs> right she's got four million followers on instagram so Jeez. he's doing fine but yeah. you would not know he's worth anything dude t-shirt and jeans yeah. You know what I mean? I've always found that the people that are the most successful in my world, at least, are the ones that don't look like it, that are underneath the surface. Yeah. I had a friend yesterday. He was telling me about this conversation he had about with this guy that was like telling him how how many pay-per-views they did and all this and all that. And I was right. like, that's like the high school rule of threes. When anyone ever brags to you about how much money they have, you know, it's like when you used to brag about how many girls you sleep with. Yeah, you don't have for dudes, you divide it by three, right? <laughs> right? Like, oh, I fuck like nine girls. Like, no, you've had sex with two, and you know, one of them was your cousin. Right. But it's like you you it's the rule of three with business bragging mm -hmm. you know oh we're so successful we did this we did that divided by three that's probably the real number then you see a dude that you know looks like me he's kind of bummy mm -hmm. you know could be you know whatever they probably have at least three times worth what you think they have yeah you know what i mean like i would never tell anybody like how much money i make or how successful i am i will always try to look like a bum so people don't ask me for shit and yeah, it's nobody's an fucking too. business yeah. You know what I mean? Like when I asked you, you know, how many stores you had, you know, yeah. and you said eight, I, I, I immediately did not think to ask you how much money do you make off those stores? But people do that people shit. Do. Yeah. And if someone was to ask, if it's, if I was you and someone was like, how much money did you make off that shit? I'm like, Oh man, things are so down right now. I'm just fucking <laughs> getting killed. People ask me that about my business all the time. They're like, Oh, you had a thousand people here. You must've made $12 million. It's like, yeah, but the show costs fucking twelve million one. So it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I, that's the that's yeah. the life I like to portray. Is like I don't mm -hmm. want anyone to ever think that I'm, because I don't live that way. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't want people to think that I that I 
you know, take their money and buy stupid shit with it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'm just grinding and trying to pay the bills. You know what I mean? And but I, I, can't, I can't stand motherfuckers like that that do yeah. that shit though. That like flaunt because it's it's all the fake. Front, it's man. all it's all, it's all fake. fake. It's always fake. Mm-hmm. You know, guarantee you that Rolex puts you out ten thousand dollars and you wish you didn't spend it on. And that. you borrowed money to get it. Yeah, yeah. guarantee it's on a credit card. Guarantee, guarantee you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially when they first start a business. Absolutely. You know, so I mean, that's and, just one of the things. Like, always be humble about what you have, um, and and keep your circle very tight. You know, yeah, watch out because there's fucking snakes everywhere, always trying to infiltrate. So mm-hmm. always keep a very close group of, of of people and keep everybody else at a distance. Yeah, that's what I always do. And I need like nothing, man. Like, yeah. I don't buy clothes. I I wear Fit Republic shirts because we print them for the store. I need absolutely fucking I got this nothing for free. Yeah. And then I found these pants at my show. I stole these socks from my kid. I put these <laughs> sandals. I put $19 into this outfit today. Yeah. And, you know, so but by not needing anything in the lifestyle. It makes it easier. <laughs> you can put that money back into business, man, and then create something big. But when yeah. you need the Rolex, you need the night, you know. Yeah, you don't need that. Yeah, you don't need that shit. All right. Thanks, Seth, man. man. I really appreciate you coming on. Dude. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's good to see you. Thank see you, Al, for listening yeah. to me. <laughs> I know it goes long. This is the Ask the BCE Show, episode 40. If you like this content, you want to follow Seth, you should follow him. He's a good dude. And uh, subscribe to the channel, ring the bell so you can see the next guest that comes on. Thanks so much for having me, man. It was fun. Thanks, bro. It's good to see you.